This is Jeff Shatler, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson. Kylie Omel are showing off those shifty skills. Driver driving hard down the alley, and he scores. What a goal from Josh Bird. Kayla Trainer slips and scores. What you're kidding me. By Dylan Ward. Gets topside, Rambo scores. Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Your go-to podcast for interviews with professional players, coaches, and executives, as well as the latest news and analysis from all three professional lacrosse leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Adam Moore and Hutton Jackson. What's up, Pro Lacrosse fans? Welcome to another edition of Pro Lacrosse Talk presented by Fanatics. Reminder to visit ProLacrosseTalk.com slash NLL shop or ProLacrosseTalk.com slash NLL shop dash CA for your official NLL team gear. Uh, they actually put up the Every Child Matters shirts back up there. So if you missed out the first time, you guys can still uh, get one of those and donate to a good cause. I'm your host, Hutton Jackson. As always, joined by my co-host, Adam Moore. Adam, it's Super Bowl week. Not sure if I'm illegally allowed to say that, but do you have any plans for the big game this coming weekend? And no, nothing too crazy, to be honest with you, since uh, it's two teams that I, I, I'm kind of indifferent about. I know as a Ravens fan, you're probably uh, not rooting for the Bengals, but uh, Joe, Joe Burrows is, is, a, is a fun guy to root for. And um, I don't have any uh, qualms with anyone on the, the Rams either. So I'm just going to sit back. Hopefully uh, uh, it's, it's a good game. Watch with some family and uh, have some wings. I'm going to enjoy the food probably more than the, the football on Sunday, but uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely, you know, pull for the Rams for Maddie's sake. You know, you're, yeah. you've been married into a Ravens family. Um, yeah. I know you don't really have a dog in the fight, but no, I, I can't bear to see uh, Joe Burrow uh, get a Super Bowl for Lamar Jackson. Sorry, Parker Blake, one of our contributors, who's a big Cincinnati Bengals fan. Now, if Parker was to be happy, that would be the only good thing to come of the Bengals winning the Super Bowl. But I, I just can't can't do it. Can't. But I have, I have to say, man, like if you were going to rank the teams – in your division that if you had to pick another team in your division to win a Super Bowl, wouldn't it be the Bengals, right? Would you, Bengals. Wouldn't, you, you wouldn't <laughs> pick the Steelers for sure. You wouldn't no. pick the Browns. I mean, that, that just wouldn't happen anyway. So you wouldn't have to worry about it. And uh, so, and you know what, as, as a Eagles fan, um, 2017 was such a magical run. I mean, if you saw Lack's Twitter and, and, and Bird's Twitter kind of interact over the last few days it was the four-year anniversary of us winning and then four-year anniversary of the the Super Bowl parade yesterday so um it, it was such a magical run and uh I, I wouldn't mind seeing uh Cincinnati uh, kind of feel the same way I, I love seeing people happy hut I love seeing people happy and I think there's more Bengals fans than than uh transplant Rams fans if I'm being honest with you so yeah, true. But uh, no, no, make a point. Um, yeah, Matthew Stafford deserves this. Uh, Cooper Cup deserves this. I, I don't want to see a Bengals Super Bowl. That's but fine. you are right. If I had to pick of the division winners, you know, and I couldn't select none of the above, um, I would much rather the Bengals over the other two teams. I really didn't have too many qualms with the Bengals. I mean, they knocked you know us out of the uh, playoff contention a few times these past few seasons. That was kind of a heartbreaker before Lamar Jackson showed up. Um, but for me, this past season, they've been insufferable. Their fans, uh, you know, like I get, you know, Joe Burrow's really turned this team around. I think he's a fun player to watch. I think he's an excellent quarterback. I just think, you know, Bengals, you got your first playoff win in a long time. Be happy with that. Let's let the Rams win a Super Bowl here or whatever. So that, that's my thoughts on that. We won't go too long. Uh, this is a lacrosse podcast, not a football podcast. Um, but we do have some PLL to discuss. It's been great kind of having some PLL news come out. So the PLL released the first half of its schedule. 
Uh, for week one, they're starting out in Albany this year. So Albany tends to be towards the end of the schedule. Uh, this year, they're going to open with Albany uh, on June 4th to 5th. Then they're going to Charlotte for the first time, June 10th to 11th. Then they're going to Long Island, June 17th to 18th. Then they stop in Baltimore, your stomping grounds, June 24th to 25th. Minneapolis for July 1st and 2nd. Then they'll have a bye. And then the All-Star game is actually going to be in Foxborough this year on July 16th. So mostly similar spots of, of past, but a new spot is Charlotte. Um, they haven't visited Charlotte, and we, we know that you know they, a lot of lacrosse fans have been clamoring for them to go to Charlotte. So nice to see them um, go there. Unfortunately, I don't know, you know with my busy June if I'm going to be able to make uh, the Long Island or Baltimore weekends that I tend to try to make um, in the past. So fortunately, going to be a little bit tough for me, but uh, hopefully maybe I can you know ship up to Boston and, and make that all-star game uh, in July. What are your thoughts generally of these first six weeks, Adam? Yeah, I, I, it's exciting to see a uh, new venue for the all-star game. I think uh, all of Lax Twitter rejoiced uh, uh, as a community for Michael Harrison uh, mm-hmm. for, for, for the Charlotte news. Um, excited to see uh, that new destination there. And, um, you know, I'm curious to see what, what the next half of the season looks like, you know, if they go a little bit more West than Minnesota um, I'm excited to see. So uh, looking forward to hitting a bunch of these games up, obviously uh, from my perspective, would love to see uh, DC and Philly um, on that. And I know uh, you'd like to see New Jersey in in some capacity. So I'm excited to see um, what uh, the second half of the schedule looks like, but um, wherever they're playing, I'm going to be watching and hopefully in attendance at some point. So uh, really, looking forward to the season it just makes me that much more excited to know um schedule drops means we're that much closer no absolutely yeah i'm, I'm hoping dc and philly will be on there I, I you know be shocked if they weren't um and then a little part of me yeah it would be nice if they went back to red bull arena now you know that's more of a dream i think you know they, they've been there they went there twice um in 2019 so it's definitely a possibility but i think i'd actually you know would rather maybe see them um go to some different spots as well but yeah definitely philly dc need to be staples we can both agree on that um but now that we have the first half we still you know have some more tour stops revealed are there any cities that they haven't been to you know we mentioned charlotte is one are there any other cities that they haven't been to that you're hoping that they stop by in um coming up in the second half of the schedule yeah you know we've been talking uh, i mentioned going out west but what about a little further south maybe still on the east coast somewhere in florida i think that'd be an awesome scene um there there it's a it's a growing area uh down there and i I think somewhere in florida would be an awesome destination you know if we're looking at uh stadium comparisons for mls orlando city uh has a pretty solid stadium and and a couple other uh, places in florida too so uh maybe uh, uh the sunshine state wouldn't be a bad place for some lacrosse yeah no i agree and obviously there's quite a handful of players from that area down in florida as well um i kind of want to see them go to dallas they had it on the schedule in 2020 before they had to you know change their plans um you know and you know maybe they play in the star uh the practice facility for the cowboys i think that was a, a great spot that the rattlers played at previously um and i think the crowds were pretty decent too when the rattlers played there so that's one spot, you know, a hotbed, a growing hotbed in Texas. And then Nashville is more just, I, I think, the atmosphere around Nashville, you know, growing sports town. Um, obviously, they love their hockey there. I think that would be a great venue. I've been hoping that the NLL will go to Nashville, um, you know, hopefully in the near future. But I would love to see the PLL make a stop there as well. Um, and, you know, if we are talking Western, I, I think San Diego would be a good spot that they haven't been, you know, been to LA, been to San Jose, heard both good things about the LA and San Jose venue, but uh, why not go, you know, further South in California to 
sunny San Diego as well. I know the Joe Sy connections there too. So uh, definitely thinking that's a possibility with that hosting um, an upcoming world games as well. So um, those are a few spots I think could land on the schedule. Obviously, you know, they want to hit some of these people were a little bit negative about them hitting a lot of the, the hotbeds areas, but that's kind of how they tend to do this, um, you know, starting out uh, the, the season, it seems, and then they kind of, you know, move a little bit farther west as the season progresses. So I think we're going to see some unique spots coming up. I wouldn't take this first uh, six reveal as it going them going back to all the same spots that they have in the past. So definitely think there's going to be a little bit more variety uh, this year as well. Um, but that's it for our PLL discussion. Really no player movement. Um, other than, you know, Tyrell Hammer Jackson got picked up by the Archers. So we talked about Adam last week. Are the Archers going to go in the draft? Are they going to trade for a guy? Turns out they found a guy in the player pool. Um, Vancouver Warriors face-off man um, plays defense for them as well. And he's actually right now currently sitting only behind uh, Trevor Baptiste and Joe Nardella in terms of face-off percentage in the NLL, right ahead of Jake Withers uh, and TD Erland. So obviously face-offs in the NLL are a little bit different than the PLL. So, you know, you can't really compare them apples to apples, but I think he's going to be a good option for them at the stripe. I think, you know, they might add another guy still in the draft or maybe they ride with him and, uh, and Gaffney, but um, I think it's a big pickup and one that, you know, quite frankly, I didn't really expect uh, them to make. And Tyrell Hammer Jackson's not only a very good face-off man in the NLL, he's also a TikTok star. Uh, he posts, he's a logger as a full-time job. And uh, he, he posts all his logging on TikTok. And man, this guy, this guy's a beast. You know, he's a grinder at the stripe. We already knew that. But um, just going off of what he does <laughs> for his full-time job. Um, yeah, he's going to be a force, I think, at the, the stripe. He's going to, I feel like even if he loses some of these draws, uh, it's not going to be an easy, uh, easy win for any of these face-off men facing him. So good pickup by them. But in terms of player movement, really wasn't much uh, other than that. Um, we're some good NLL games. We're going to get to those in a little bit, but I actually got to sit down with Jeff Shatler and talk about what will be his final NLL season. So let's hear my interview with Jeff from earlier this week. Today on Pro Cross Talk, I'm lucky to be joined by Jeff Shatler, 16 year veteran, two time NLL champion, and four with a Saskatchewan rush. Jeff, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, buddy. Yeah, of course. No, and now we're recording this not too long after a 16 7 win over Panther City, where you recorded four goals and three assists. Uh, talk about that big win for Saskatchewan and kind of getting you guys back in that win column. Um, honestly, it was just a great team win. You know, our, our defense played unbelievable. They shut the door. They pushed the ball. Our offense finally started clicking. Uh, Shooter had an amazing game. So, you know, I think it was a boost of confidence for the boys. Um, you know, coaching staff down, something that we needed. Um, but again, we can't just dwell on that. That's over. We have a game coming up on uh, Friday against Vancouver. And, you know, we just got to look ahead and uh, there's no looking back. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you beat Vancouver earlier this season as well. No easy wins, though, in this league, of course. And uh, at the beginning of the season, you announced that this is going to be your final year in the NLL um, to, you know, cap off what a great career for you you've had so far. Um, talk about your decision to go on one more ride with the Rush this year. Um, one, uh, love the boys, love the love the atmosphere, love the arena, love the fans. You know, I'm starting to fall in love with the province living here now. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's um, it would it would have been uh, stupid of me for even to putting that thought in my head of going somewhere else. Um, I wanted to finish my career here and I'm glad I did. And I have no regrets on that, on that side of things. Um, but playing here, um, <clears throat> I, I'm very um, grateful that I've only played in my eyes, only played for two teams, Buffalo Bandits, they drafted me, but I only played one game and it was a nothing game at the end of the season, just to rest their guys. So 
I've never really considered that a team I played for. Um, I played for Calgary for 12 um, and I've been out here for four. So um, very fortunate, you know, to play for only two teams and, and to fit their mold and what they were looking for as a player and, and as, a, as a teammate. So um, I didn't see myself going anywhere. Um, I know this is, will be, this will be my last year. And I, I've talked about it many, many times and it just comes down to, you know, my kids and, and, and having time for them, um, you know, with their, with their minor sports and they're getting to that age where, you know, they want to start joining hockey, lacrosse, karate, whatever they want to do, I'll do. Never going to push them into anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll just follow their lead and whatever they want to do. No, absolutely. And you mentioned your time in Calgary. Um, you know, you played 11 seasons there. Um, who are some of your mentors, you know, when you first got into the league and were growing as a player? Um, honestly, it was uh, so senior A, I got called up by Troy Corley, and he, he definitely was one of my mentors for sure. I, I love that guy. Um, you know, he taught me a lot about the game and, and a Terry Sanderson. So those are my two coaches that I remember early on. And, and Terry Sanderson's a Hall of Famer, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and just a, an amazing family all around. They know the game very, very, very well. Um, and then I would say, you know, um, as players, Colin Doyle and Josh Anderson, I played on the left side with them when I was uh, about 19 years old, 18 years old, getting called up to senior A. So that was a pretty big experience seeing all these guys coming into the room and, and knowing what these guys have accomplished. And I've seen them play, you know, at the Maple Leaf Gardens and winning championships. So it was, uh, I was a little starstruck there for sure, you know, coming off, uh, I was just in junior. So then, uh, you know, I just kept playing with these boys and they taught me a lot about the game and you know, I just took it all in. I still do. I still learn from the kids that I teach in my program and they teach me new things and how to do drills different. So I feel like as an athlete in any sport, you need to be able to adapt and, and just listen to be not only criticism, but just new ideas. And um, if you if you could do that, you could uh, teach this game for a long time. No, yeah, I think we hear that a lot from, you know, people that have been in this league for a while is just being a student of the game, no matter like where you are in your career. And I feel like that's kind of what you're you know saying right there. Hundred percent, you know, I, I, that's I truly believe that, you know, um, everyone has another look at things that you might not see. Um, you know, if you're if you're too stubborn or pick at it to to understand it or listen to it, that's on you. But I think, you know, like you said, perfect words, student of the game, and we're always learning, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, in Calgary, you had a lot of success, you know, both individually and as a teammate. Um, 2009, you won the championship in the NLL and then 2011, you won MVP and transition player of the year. I'll talk about those accomplishments. Um, yeah. So when we won in 2009, uh, my buddy Kurt Miloski, he's the coach, obviously, for the Roughnecks mm-hmm. now. He had never won a championship. So that was a big thing that we were trying to push for, you know, uh, push for a championship for him. And, and obviously, I'd never won one either at that time. And, and there was a lot of young, we had a, lot, a young team. And we were first place for, I don't know how many years. We blew everybody out of the water. But sometimes, Every time we went to playoffs, we always got snake bitten. We'd either get kicked mm-hmm. out in the first round, second round, whatever it may be. And that's the that's the nature of the beast. It's a one-game playoff. So it doesn't matter how good you are. You just got to show up at the right time, get hot, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, it got frustrating after a while. You know, we were okay. We're first place. We're in the, where we want to be. We have home, home field advantage. And then, again, same story. So 2009 was very, very special. We had, uh, you know, Brad Bannister, you know, uh, he was a great owner. Um, you know, he was uh, he was a he was a player's owner, I think, and and he was a really good guy. And we had Terry Sanderson and Troy Corner that really really pushed us, man. They um, they were no joke. You know, they were, they they have a coaching mentality that's not you know a lot of people would agree with, but it works. Um, I truly do. And you know, it was nice to finally win it with the fellas, and and uh, we had a great teammate. We were very very tight, very very close. Everyone hung out all the time. And, it was just a good feeling and, and to finally finish a season after all those years and, and finally win one was 
is like a feeling like no other. Mm-hmm. So I finally won a championship. It was my first championship I think I ever won in lacrosse, um, to be honest with you. Um, and that I could remember that meant something as much as it did. So mm-hmm. that was very, very special. And, and that 2011 <clears throat> year, I started out uh, defense. Um, you know, I played defense in NLL for my first, what, seven, eight years, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then that year, I sort of they started. I started scoring more and more on transition. Um, and then we were only playing with uh, Dane Doby and Josh Sanderson on the left side, and then I'd be the third one. Is the way it worked, is and I'd push up and stay if I could. But mostly, we wanted those guys out there because obviously, seeing what the numbers they put up, right? So I was, mm-hmm. you know, I, I understood my role, and that's a big thing about being a part of a team for so long. You need to understand your role, and my role was to push the ball, and if the boys needed a rest, I, I would, I would stay. Um, the, the ball started going in for me, uh, you know, and then it started going in. And then my coach is like, well, why don't we run you out the front door? And then you run, you stop transition on the back, going back. Um, and then you can stay defense. Then if you want to come back up and play offense, you can, if not get off. So then, you know, four time just really skyrocketed after that. But at that age, I, 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 I could run uh, pretty well. And mm-hmm. as you get older, as, as everyone knows, you know, um, your endurance goes down, you know, like your stamina and all that good stuff. So, but at that time, I was in my prime, and and I just felt felt great to be out there and helping my team. And I'm glad uh, I was able to help my team for all those years. And I'm, I'm hoping to continue doing that success uh, for the rest of the season. And I know we do have uh, two thirds of the season left. And I'm just hoping that uh, I could uh, continue helping my teammates out in whatever way possible. Yeah, well, you certainly helped uh, in that game against Panther City. And let's talk about the rush too. You end up joining the rush. Um, in 2018 and went on another title run with that team uh, talk about you know your second NLL championship this time you know with the Saskatchewan rush um, and kind of what it meant to get that other that second championship and you were also NLL playoffs MVP that year as well so um, talk about that season honestly I think I, I just felt like I had a lot to prove um, mm-hmm. you know not only to myself um, you know uh, I had thoughts about retiring back then um, you know uh, Calgary wanted me to go out the back door um, so I was, I felt like, you know, like maybe I lost my game or I couldn't stick with the boys up front and, you know, you get all these thoughts going through your head as an athlete. Um, you know, when you, when you get snake bit and you can't score, like it, there's a lot of thoughts that go through, a lot of doubts and a lot of, a lot of everything, but I could, you know, my family supported me, especially my wife, Lindsay, she, uh, she's very good at that to get me back on track. Cause sometimes mm-hmm. I step up, but I always do. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, she pushed me in the right direction and said, you know, you can do this. And Brad Bannister was good buddies with Bruce Urban and they, uh, they had a chat and they said, would Jeff Shatley want to come over to, uh, to our squad? And I talked to him and uh, the deal was made that day and off I went. And, um, you know, they, these guys, they, they, you know, they gave me the ball. They, uh, they believed in me. They put me on, uh, on just about everything under the sun and, and they just believed in, in what I could still do. And, and that was a great feeling. That's why I love these guys so much. I went from, you know, doubting myself to being a part of something really, really special. And the way they hold their dress room is like no other, you know, they're, they're family. There's no animosity. There's no anger. It's just like, boys, you know, we, we messed up. Let's, let's move on. It's nothing. Mm-hmm. We don't dwell on the past. We don't yell at each other. There's nothing like that. So I never seen that in the game of lacrosse because um, I've been on some teams and some coaches that are, you know, they're pretty hard on you where our mm-hmm. coaches are like, well, what, what, there's nothing we could do now. We just got to move on. How can we be better? So that atmosphere really opened my eyes to the game and made me really fall in love with the game again. And uh, I, I can't thank the rush uh, enough for that. No, that's great. And talk about just the vibe, you know, this season, obviously a little bit of some struggles, um, you know, 
getting some wins, but you've played some tough competition and you have to feel good, you know, after getting that second win so far. So how is, uh, you got, how are you guys kind of feeling now going into the, you know, second, third, I guess, of this, um, NLL season? Uh, I'm feeling confident, you know, that, that last game really gave us a little bit of confidence, which is great. Um, I know we have a long way to go. Um, we have Vancouver, what Vancouver, Colorado, Colorado, Texas. So, you know, Mm -hmm. we have four strong games coming up and I, I really believe that we could do some damage out of those four games and we could be right back in the mix. You know, Mm -hmm. I think we're sitting third in the West right now, which is unbelievable. We're only winning two games. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, the opportunities are there. We just need to believe in ourselves and believe in each other and, you know, everyone pulls the rope together and, and we'll see what happens that the cards fall where they may. Cause you never know. Mm-hmm. You could have the best season. Like I said, you could have literally the best season. I've had seasons where I was 12 and four and lost mm-hmm. in the first round. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it doesn't really, you just got to get to the playoffs and, you know, it was a little scary there. We're going at one and four. We're like, well, can we make the playoffs? And then all of a sudden you win one weekend and you're in third place, which is, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's the nature of the beast. So I think we just need to, you know, believe in ourselves and believe in our, in, uh, in what our coaches have in place. And I think we're going to do some, do some good work here in the next uh, little half of the season. We've had some really good starts in seasons and then, you know, uh, fizzled off at the end. So maybe, you know, maybe this is a good thing. We, mm-hmm. we learned from our experiences early in the season and we pushed through and win some games late. Absolutely. And uh, I want to get your opinion too on now that the NLO is uh, so the first round will still be a single game, but they're actually now playoff series for the semifinals as well as the finals, you know, three game series. So, um, you, you mentioned how, you know, it used to be kind of, you, you, you could just kind of have a bad game and then you're bounced. Uh, what do you think of now the addition of playoff series and, you know, kind of going off of what other sports do, you know, I mean, I think NHL playoffs are some of the greatest playoffs, you know, atmosphere just because there's seven game series. And obviously we're only having three game series, but thoughts on, you know, the new playoff format in the NLL. Yeah, I think, uh, honestly, I think it's about time. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, you know, we should have been doing this a long, long time ago. So I'm glad that they've finally changed it up. I know first round one gamer, but, you know, that's what you need semifinals. And I know, like you said, you know, you have one bad game and you could, that could be it. One bad penalty, mm-hmm. a five minute major, they score three on it, it's over. Um, and mm-hmm. that's where, you know, when you put in that much work and that much time away from home and travel and all that, and it comes down to one penalty or one bad call, or, you know, at least to give you a little bit of a redemption in a, in a, in a game two, game three type of situation so i think it's about time that they did it and i'm glad that they they have um but you know obviously it all comes down to cost and and, and travel on a mm-hmm. arena time and nhl players like so i understand that there's mm-hmm. uh there's that part of things but i'm really really happy that they they've included you know a couple more games in playoffs because i truly believe we needed that um as a league and i think that like you said atmosphere man people are going to be like mm-hmm. holy man they came three you know, do or die. It gives you that oomph instead of being like, okay, one game or it's over. See you later. See you guys next year. Yeah. The storylines I think to come out of series are always great. It's, it's, it's always fun to watch, you know, all right, this team's down, like, you know, even, especially when maybe a favorite loses their first game, you know, rather than talking about how they got upset, you know, and you know, could have been, was it a fluke or not? You talk about, well, how are they going to bounce back? Like who really has the momentum in this series? I think it makes for some great storylines for the sport. I agree. I agree, buddy. I think it's good. Yeah, absolutely. And in addition to, you know, playing the NLL, you also have, you know, during your career, been able to represent the Iroquois Nationals in international play. How special is it to kind of get to play with your fellow Indigenous athletes? Uh, you know, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, when I first had the opportunity, I was actually going to Prague with Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was going to go play with those guys. But then I got a call from Dewey Jacobs and he said, you know, well, how would you feel about coming to play for Team Iroquois? And, uh, mm-hmm. You know, there was no question in my mind. I said, yeah, no, I'd love to. 
Um, you know, I have Guy Wash Schindler and uh, Brett Bucktooth, good buddies of mine that I, you know, I was, you know, made really, really good friends and really good relationships. And I had a lot of fun with those guys and, and the whole squad. And it was just a really cool experience and uh, recognizing the culture because, you know, one, I grew up in Toronto, um, you know, mm-hmm. pretty much the ghetto, Rexdale, Jane and Finch area. And I didn't get much of my culture. My reserve was about six kilometers or six uh, hours away, northern Wakumakong. Northern Ontario so like we didn't get out there very often so mm-hmm. when I got to go play for Team Iroquois I learned a lot more about my culture my heritage and what this game means and and, and it got me more and more involved and interested in helping out the youth and you know seeing what I could do to help them out but like I said like when I grew up I didn't grow up around that I grew up mm-hmm. in uh, you know the, the heart of Toronto mm-hmm. and uh, you know I, I didn't know anybody else that was native in my neighborhood so um you know, it was, it was, it was really cool that way. And I think uh, they took me in like family uh, and I had, I had a blast. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And you mentioned, you know, helping the young people, you now are a coach as well. Um, you know, with your Shatler Academy, talk about what you're doing with that and kind of teaching the next generation of lacrosse players. Uh, we, we got programs all over. So we do, uh, you know, we do a trial cross program through the SLA. Um, we do public and Catholic schools. Uh, that's a, that's a big one. It's a lot of fun doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also do trial cross programs on reserves. I do it either through the Shatler Cross Academy or the SLA, depending on, you know, the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I work with Standing Buffalo, a really cool community. Um, you know, I, I, I'm on there for another two years and it's been a lot of fun, a really, really big eye opener. Um, you know, these kids, they, they love the game of lacrosse. They're not a very big community, about 500, but, you know, they have 10 kids in each and age division. So, you know, it, with the numbers, we, we need to look at getting more, but, at mm-hmm. the same time, just the love and, and, and the respect they have for the game. And I think it's a really, really cool community to be a part of and, and to be a part of that movement. It's the only, uh, you know, community in Saskatchewan that has a, a, a team in each age group, which is amazing on reserve. Mm-hmm. So I think that on its own is a huge accomplishment. Uh, Russ Matthews started that up um, and the, the, the people of the community are keeping it going. So uh, we do that. And then, you know, there's, there's, there's programs that we do, I do all over with camps and we have two teams that are going to go out of Regina. Um, we have a 16U and a 14U team going out to California, San Diego. We're going to be looking into going out there. Um, so then we have development programs in Saskatoon and Regina. So like I'm, I'm, I'm busy is basically what it comes mm-hmm. out. It's just a very, very busy time in my life. And that's what comes down to like retirement and, and you know, like I'm just, I'm just so busy and, sometimes I, I forget about you know I, I want to do so much um with this uh this shout lacrosse academy but sometimes I I misplace my time and mm-hmm. um, you know my my time that's free I I play lacrosse the game I love so I have to try to figure out how do I balance that out and that's the, that was my thought behind the retirement and, and I think um I think it's the right decision um you know obviously my family supported me up until now and, and they've sort of said you know like you can continue playing um, so it's in the back of my mind, but, um, I know deep down, I, I should, um, call her, call her a day. Mm-hmm. Well, we're certainly looking forward to the rest of this season and seeing you continue to play in the NLL, um, for this final season. Um, now let's move on to kind of our five and five. So these are more, you know, fun answers, quick hitters, but, uh, you know, my first one is I always ask, so what are some pregame superstitions or routines you have? And for some of the veterans, I like to ask how have they kind of changed over the years. Um, for me, <clears throat> I always have, uh, I always eat at the same restaurant. That's a big one for me. Um, I always click the, the the door on both sides and the top. Um, I uh, say a little prayer before every game, obviously. 
ask for help and guidance and uh, to play for my kids. Um, what else would there be? Uh, <clears throat> the, the, at halftime, um, and it was a thing that me and Dane Doby used to do. We just go in the hallway and just hang out and just just forget about the game. That was the big mm-hmm. thing, and regroup for the second half. So. Those are my kind of my superstitions. I'm sure there's a lot more. I have a ton of them, um, but mm-hmm. I just don't really remember. Those are like my main ones. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I would say something like that. No, it's interesting too, the halftime, because, uh, you know, again, I tend to ask people about pregame stuff, but uh, it is just as important to, you know, to kind of refocus during halftime too. So I like that. No, Number sure. two, what has been your favorite venue to play lacrosse at? And that can be, you know, throughout your entire career at any time so it doesn't have to just be nll it can be you know international play senior a junior a anything like that i would say uh madison square gardens i got to play out in new york city that was uh unbelievable it wasn't the fan atmosphere it was just the mm-hmm. arena and, and the people that have been in and out of there madonna michael jack like man like i was like i was blown away the posters that were on there mm-hmm. <clears throat> so i got the <clears throat> opportunity to do that <clears throat> and then the other one would be pepsi center pepsi center is always a great time man mm-hmm. i love playing in colorado back in the day they used to throw pennies at you um, I remember that. Um, that was nuts. So wow. we, used to, we used to do that. And um, yeah. And then I, I obviously Saskatchewan, man. Saskatchewan's mm-hmm. uh, atmosphere. Obviously, the numbers have come down drastically um, just with the COVID thing. But February 28th, we are lifting all restrictions. So I'm hoping that, you know, Rush Nation comes back and they're ready to rock and we're able to uh, play some good games. Absolutely. One of the best atmospheres in National Lacrosse League. And so for number three, uh, I like to ask is what is your current stick set up in terms of head shaft and stringing? And in your particular case, there's a lot of, uh, you know, significance to your dyed rainbow head. So talk a little bit about that significance as well. Um, My little man, Nathan Noel, he uh, he got diagnosed with uh, autism um, uh, about a year ago. So I, I, you know, you don't really think about stuff like that until it hits close close to home. Right. So you know, it was, uh, it was something that I wanted to do. Like, what can I do to help out, uh, you know, not only my sister, but my nephew. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my thought, you know, I, I got a stick and it was, and uh, it turned out to be uh, like autism colors. And I was like, what a great idea to, you know, dedicate it towards him and, and try to, you know, maybe just create awareness and maybe, mm-hmm. um, you know, raise a little bit of funds for his, his, his schooling or anything I could do to help out to get him and, and make his life easier. It's basically mm-hmm. what I wanted to do. So, um, I thought that that was a really cool way of doing it. And I thought that, you know, the, this is my opportunity to maybe, you know, do something to help him out. So um, as for the stick itself, it's like a mid to low, um, you know, I, I, at first I didn't really like the warps. Um, it took mm-hmm. me a while, it took me a couple of years to figure it out. But when I was sponsored by a warrior, that was one of the things that they wanted us to do. They wanted us to work using warrior, uh, the warp heads. Uh, to just get it out there right so mm-hmm. uh, that's when I started to use it and, and um, you know and it took me a little while to figure out you know because they're very very temperamental I guess you mm-hmm. need to find the right one for you and mm-hmm. I finally did and this stick is unbelievable for me I've gotten better and better and with the stick in my hands almost every day with teaching and, and playing and you know you just you only get better and better with it so um, you know it's a, it's a it's a great head and uh, that's the one I use and a little a little bit of a storyline behind it and if anybody wanted to ever, you know, uh, donate or towards the cause and um, you just go to shatlacrossacademy.com and uh, click the link and, and any, any donations, they just go to his, uh, his schooling and learning. 
No, I appreciate you plugging that. We'll definitely put that in our show notes as well. So anybody listening, check out the show notes as well for that link or go to the link that Jeff just gave you. Um, yeah, I love that. I love reading the story that the NLL put out on it. And uh, I think it's a great sentiment. And you really are bringing, I think, awareness to you know autism um, and you know kind of the challenges that autistic kids face. And the fact that you know just because there's differences in their learning style doesn't mean that you know they can't also have a, you know, a great time as well. Agreed. Agreed, buddy. Uh, number four, who has been the toughest player to face during your career? Toughest player to face, I would say Kyle Rubish, to be honest with you. Kid's, okay. a, kid's a beast. I don't know if he doesn't hear this, but uh, yeah, no, he's uh, he's really, really good on a one-on-one defender. You think you have him and he's got like these uh, bear arms that just wrap around you and you get stripped every time. It's uh, <laughs> kind of like a cheat code he's got. So I would say he would be the hardest defender that, that I've ever played against by far. Um he's very very good and uh you know he's only getting better he's got a lot more years left in awesome and then number five if they made an nll video game who do you say deserves to be on the cover and that can be a past player or a current player uh i don't know i uh man i i'd go with like a mark matthews or a dane doby mm-hmm. uh, something like that i know that, that they're on the top of their games right now and they're looking pretty good out there man so uh, but you could you could choose a lot of great players. There's a lot of great players in our league, so you never know. Maybe someone with a good smile. I'm not too sure. <laughs> no, good answer, good answer. Uh, now for the off-the-field questions. The first one I like to ask, and this is kind of sports-related, but not lacrosse-related, is uh, who's a player in another sport that you're enjoying watching right now? I play in another sport. <clears throat> um, is this past, present, or future? Actually, or it can be you? past, present, or, you know, yeah, current. Like, it, it can be a uh, former player. I well. would say, honestly, man, one of the, one of the guys in two of them, honestly, and, and I'm, I like watching basketball, is uh, Michael Jordan and uh, mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant, man. Those guys were just, oh, nasty. I watch, uh, um, you know, a, a lot of uh, documentaries on those guys, and mm-hmm. The Last Stand is one of my favorites. Like, you know, it's uh, – yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I think those guys are incredible what they did, and, and it was uh, very inspirational for sure. Yeah, no, that was an awesome documentary, and I'm sure there's going to be a, you know a, quite a few probably Kobe ones eventually coming out. I was more of a Michael Jordan fan when I was really younger. Um, then I really kind of learned to appreciate Kobe and like his longevity. I think as the years went on. Number two, what are some hobbies or activities you enjoy doing when you're not on the floor? Uh, I love to snowboard. Uh, snowboarding is a big thing, but I haven't been able to do it as much because obviously mm-hmm. one, I live in Regina now. I don't live about an hour from Bam, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then I don't really have time to do it. And plus I don't want to get hurt. That's yeah. another big thing, you know, like <laughs> snowboarding is no joke. If you hit mm-hmm. one, you know, one rut, you're, you're gone. So that's, uh, that's one thing. Um, definitely. I love playing golf with, uh, golf going out there in the, in the, in the summertime and, and, play, and playing around, um, you know, those are my two big things in bowling. Bowling is a big one. Ten pin, none of that five pin stuff. <laughs> yeah, ten pin um, for sure. Yeah, ten pin for sure. So I plan on joining a, a bowling league this year. Uh, pretty pumped about it. Get some, uh, get some unis and, and go see if we could do some damage out there. Yeah, for sure. You know, you're gonna have to find some more competitive outlets uh, after retirement. I know you're gonna be still around the game, but uh, that that should be uh, probably cool to look forward to the bowling league and then hopefully some snowboarding right once you retire yeah. oh 100 yeah that's yeah. the plan next question number three what is your favorite spot to vacation favorite spot to vacation cancun mexico i would Ooh. have to say we got married up there and me and my wife used to go there twice a year before this mess happened with covid so mm-hmm. we're hoping to get back out there soon but yeah cancun is uh one of, one of our play, favorite places to go for sure 
Number four, uh, what is your favorite meal and do you prefer to dine out or cook at home? Uh, favorite meal? Uh, well, I love lobster, man. Uh, when it comes down to it, I'm a big seafood guy. Uh, my dad's side of the family, um, he's a coaster. So I grew up around lobster, crab, mussels, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, you know, which is crazy. They used to call it the poor man's food. Um, and now it's, you know, it's like $30 a pound. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, I would have to say lobster. Lobster with some rice. And that's all I need, really. And so maybe some bread with some uh, some some butter dipping sauce and oh buddy that's uh that's my go-to right there oh yeah that sounds great i used to um my family friends they had a lobster business in virginia um and they would get them down from maine so i worked for them and i would sell lobster and they would make some great lobster rolls or whatever um and i used to boast too because you know they were actually maine lobsters whereas a lot of stuff you know are sitting in the tank for a long while they would like get them shipped down and sell them within like four or five days so they were they're as fresh as you could get, I guess, in Virginia. <laughs> oh, for sure. hundred yeah. percent. And then number five, what's a book, TV show, or podcast that you're currently binging and would recommend? Oh, I'm watching it right now. Uh, what's his name? Let me just take a double, double check. I got to say it properly. Uh, oh. Bobby, Bubba Fett. Bubba Fett. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh dude. It's great show. <laughs> yeah. This guy's a unit. Um, a lot of fun. Um, I'm on chapter six right now. Um, pretty crazy yeah no it's a, it's a good one yeah no i need to watch the the latest one um yeah the the show's the show i think got off to a little of a slow start not as like good as mandalorian at the at first but now it's really starting to pick up and obviously you know uh spoiler alert for anyone that's you know hasn't watched it yet but uh with mandalorian back in the the fold i think it's getting a little bit more interesting yes i agree i just got there <laughs> i just got yeah. there. so awesome um but that wraps up my five and five like to end on one final question and that's what is some advice you have for a young player looking to one day play lacrosse professionally? Um, honestly, I would say just believe in yourself. I know I get a bunch of messages on Instagram and, and you know, like how to, what, what should I prepare myself for? What, you know, what should I do? Honestly, um, you know, no one's going to ever going to, going to do it for you. You know, mm-hmm. um, don't, don't think that there's someone's just going to hand it to you. And like I tell all the students that I, that I teach, just because you put two hours in on the floor and take the next three days off doesn't mean anything. So you need mm-hmm. to continue on with what, whatever craft you're doing, whether it's hockey, lacrosse, baseball, and uh, you know, you need to put the time and effort into it. Cause if you're not doing it, someone else's um, you know, and you know, you get what you put in and, mm-hmm. and you can't, you can't be disappointed if you don't make a team and you never did anything off floor or mm-hmm. off ice. So that is totally on you and what you put into the game and, if you give 110 and you don't make the team, well, then, you know, you, at least, you know, you have no regrets and what you put in. So just work that much harder next year. No, I think that's some great advice for our young listeners. Well, Jeff, we certainly appreciate you hopping on and uh, best of luck going forward with the rush. Awesome. Thank you very much, buddy. So we appreciate Jeff hopping on uh, the rush. will take on Vancouver this Friday. They were off this weekend though, um, but it was another seven game weekend in the NLL, including a back-to-back between the Firewolves and the Swarm. So let's start there, Adam. Friday night, Firewolves taking on the Swarm in Georgia. I predicted that the Swarm would probably come out and win this first one, and then the Firewolves would win the second. That ends up what happening. You had the reverse, but these were both really tight games uh, between these two teams. Not an easy feat playing each other on back-to-backs. Let's talk about that first game with the Swarm getting the victory in front of a home crowd. Uh, what did you see from this game um, that kind of stood out to you? Yeah, I, you mentioned I was 0-2 for my picks, but I did predict the uh, Wolves would score the most goals on the weekend, and they did. If you tallied both games together, 
the Firewolves came out victorious. But nonetheless, so game one, a uh, really close one. As you said, the Swarm uh, ended up uh, beating the Firewolves by uh, a goal 14 to 13. Uh, this one, uh, you saw a couple familiar faces uh, and, and Albany Great Danes come out on fire in this one. So two best players of the game were uh, Lyle Thompson and Joe Rasseteret. Uh Lyle had eight points in this one. Joe had 11. So they were both really dominant. And this one, um, you know, if you looked at the box score, you you might think um, it was completely close the whole time, but um, the Firewolves scored the first two goals of the game and the Swarm went on a seven goal run. Um, and it was looking like it, it might be a little bit of a runaway, but um, the, the Wolves kind of stayed with them, had a, a three goal and four goal run for themselves to kind of have this one keep going back and forth um uh, and it was just a little bit too late for for the wolves that swarm got an empty netter before uh our, our friend charlie kitchen scored a, a late one for for the firewolves to keep it at a one goal game but it was just a little bit too late so uh this was a really fun matchup i i really enjoy um we'll talk a little bit later but i really enjoy watching the firewolves play and the swarm for that matter these offenses uh are, are super potent and um with guys like lyle and, and joe and and um, Charlie, uh, definitely uh, an awesome uh, matchup for sure. So, um, and I was really curious as my matchup of the week was uh, game two of, of the weekend for this one. But um, yeah, definitely a, a really fun one to watch with the Swarm coming out victorious in uh, in Georgia. Um, but yeah, definitely a fun one. And I'm looking forward to watching these teams compete because uh, they're pretty close in the standings neck and neck uh, after this week. Yeah, no, and you mentioned two Albany Great Danes in the second matchup. Uh, they went up to Albany, and both players played pretty well in that one as well. Joseph Resiteris, uh, you know, had 11 points in that first game, finished with a measly eight points for him in that <laughs> second game, so not too shabby again. And along with Riley O'Connor and Ryan Maneshka at seven points, they contributed to the 13-11 Firewolves win in that second game. Um, I, you know, again, we can't speak enough about how big – Banesh has been for this team. That acquisition uh, has proven to have paid dividends. And pair that with Doug Jamison, who's only allowed an average of 8.6 goals since that Nighthawks blowout. Um, and, you know, we get a rematch this weekend between those te- teams. And the Firewolves team is, again, they're, they're looking to be, you know, right up there with some of the best of this league. You know, I, I don't know if I'd put them right there with the, the Bandits just yet, but um, definitely with Halifax and Toronto, I think. And, you know, the Swarm, they're in a good spot still. They're just haven't been able to close out these games. I think their inexperience, you know, on defense, you know, with the, the young players that they do have is, you know, hurting them a little bit down the stretch. Um, but, you know, I, I still think they're playing much better than the start of the season. So they, they've always been hanging tight in these games um, and they're not out of it yet. Um, but do you think the Firewolves and Swarm could both make the playoffs? You know, obviously four of the top East teams will make it. And then three of the West with a wild card um, going to the best record you know in either the east or the west after those uh after those seven teams so i don't know do you do you think the swarm could be that wild card team do you think they could even sneak into that top four in the east you know what are your kind of thoughts on both the firewolves and the swarms playoffs chances right now yeah i I really like the firewolves chances in particular um i just think they're uh kind of really meshing uh, as a couple of our former guests have said in the last few weeks. And uh, I think uh, their arrow is pointing up and same could be said for the swarm, but you know, um, 
they are two games under 500. I know it's early in the season still, but um, every game kind of counts when you're under 500. So um, they, they have a couple games in hand uh, comparative to some of the uh, squads uh, below them in the standings. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward. I, I think there's certainly a chance they're in that kind of middle middle tier uh, of the East at the moment. But um, if, if I had to uh, water gun to my head right now, I'd probably say they, they won't make it just based off of how strong the East and competitive the East is. Um, but there's certainly a chance that the Swarm uh, could make a, a little run with the talent they have. Yeah, I, I kind of tend to agree. You know, I think the tough thing is you got Bandits, Thunderbirds, Rock, and Wings, um, you know, all up there with the Firewolves. So that's, you know, five teams essentially competing for four spots. Um, to make it to the East. And then the odds are that the odd team out, you know, is going to get that wild card. And I just don't know if the swarm can continue to be in that conversation. Um, you know, and uh, the, the wings now drop a game to the rock. And so they're sitting at fifth, but I still think, you know, despite these two teams having really close matchups, uh, I put the wings ahead of the swarm right now uh, where we're at. So yeah, it's going to be tough for the swarm, but um I don't think it's impossible. And I know that's not what you're saying either. You know, I think there's definitely a chance, but um, I tend to agree with you. If, if I had to, to pick the top five teams from the East, uh, I don't think the swarm would, would be in that. It's tough to say, you know, when team has Lyle Thompson on it, but um, that's kind of, you know, I think where we're at right now and that could change long season still, but um, they're going to have to pull, pull out some of these wins going forward. You know, there's no moral victories really anymore um, going forward. Now, another East showdown uh, between two teams, one we mentioned a little bit earlier, was the Thunderbirds and the Riptide. Thunderbirds end up winning 13-10. to 10. Both teams were looking for a win after losing the past week. The Riptide, a tough one to the Bandits in overtime. Thunderbirds missing a few pieces in that game with the Rock, uh, but they come out on top in this one. I think having Austin Shanks back in the lineup has been huge for this team. Uh, he's had 18 points through three games since returning to the lineup, so his presence was felt in this game once again with seven points. Um, and Kyle Jackson also played well, notching two goals and an assist after missing last week as a healthy scratch. So um, give credit to those two guys. Um, you know, I, I kind of mean you both like the Thunderbirds in this game going into it. We thought the Riptide were going to keep it close and they did. But I, I guess kind of felt that, you know, Coach Akersey's not going to let this team fall into a two game skid. And I think when this team is at its best, they can beat anybody in this league. Um, and they, they've certainly proved that. So, um, you know, give props to the Riptide. But the Thunderbirds, they get a, a must-needed win, um, you know, kind of on the road per se. They're at Hamilton playing these next two games. Um, they're technically home games, but still playing away from Halifax. So uh, it was nice for them to get a big win here against a Riptide team that's been scrappy and been, you know, pushing a lot of teams. But thoughts on the Riptide, you know, obviously tough to lose another close one, but they kind of proved this offense can hang with anybody, both against the Bandits. They held their own against the Thunderbirds. Um, thoughts on the riptide in general even though they're you know currently sitting with only one win yeah i just based off of watching a large swath of their games i don't think they're uh the worst team in the league and they're super competitive um and you know steve orlman he's been absolutely phenomenal for them in cage he had another 48 uh saves in this one for uh the face masked headshot goalie uh, uh for for another uh week so he he's been playing really really well for them and uh, it's it's a it's a big pick me up to to keep them in uh these close games and you know when you have Jeff T and Calum Crawford on your roster uh you you're probably going to be in it to the end so um i i think they're a little bit better than their their record shows uh at this point in the season and uh 
it's going to be tough from a playoff perspective for, for them to bounce back uh, at, at this point with, with this many losses and less wins um, uh, at this point in the season, but uh, they're, they're growing and, and building something there uh, uh, on the Island. And it's uh, exciting to see. Yeah, no. And I think Connor Kiernan may have been the most underrated offseason move. Um, he's just been an, as impactful as Jeff Teat and Callum Crawford has been to this team. Um, and this Riptide team plays fast. You know, the offense can hang with anybody and you never feel like they're out of it. Even like towards that end of the Thunderbirds game, you know, Ryan Cherifanko got his first goal for the Thunderbirds uh, on that empty netter. But, um, you know, unfortunately that, that ended up being the final nail in the coffin, 13 to 10, but you still never felt like the riptide were out of it, even with three minutes left and down by three. And I think that's a testament of what Dan Lottasaur has been able to, to, you know, do with this team because last season, you know, you could almost write them off. You know, they, they won one game and a lot of those other games weren't very close. So, um, yeah, I do think this Riptide team is better than the record, which leads me to ask the question of the one win teams in the Roughnecks, Riptide and Panther City, which team do you think has the best chance of turning it around, Adam? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll stick with, with the squad we just talked about in the Riptide. I mean, they're uh, uh, of their seven games, four of them were one goal games and uh, the other three that were losses were by two, three and four goals. So they've literally been competitive uh, in every game this season. So I, I think uh, with strong goalie play and a competitive uh, offense, uh, as we've seen from, from this New York squad, uh, I'd have to pit, I'd have to go with the riptide. Yeah, no. And, you know, unfortunately no small task with the competitive East that we just talked about, yeah. you know, not too long ago, but um, yeah, I, I do think, you know, they're a team that can turn it around. I, I think they could play spoiler. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but um, yeah, I think they're a team that could play spo- spoiler down the stretch. Um, I'm going to go though with the Roughnecks. Uh, I think they played this mammoth team tight, despite not having Curtis Dixon. He was out due to illness. Um, you know, when we get to our game picks, I, I might have a little upset alert with the Roughnecks, but um, I thought they played really, really well um, against this mammoth team. Unfortunately, they kind of just ran out of gas. Del Bianco is still hanging in there in cage. You know, this team isn't as good as they were in previous years. They don't have as much talent. They're a bit younger than what we've seen. You know, obviously losing Dane Doby in the offseason, Tyson Bell. Um, So, you know, this team is a little bit different than, you know, previous years, obviously, than when we last saw them in the championship in the NLL. But I still think they can kind of hang there. I, I just think that they're just not able to close out these games. And I think, you know, if you we get a fully healthy Roughnecks team, they're going to be able to steal some wins too. Um, now, are they going to be able to turn around enough to make the playoffs? I don't know. I mean, the way the standings shape out, though, they just have to win a couple games and they're right back in the mix. You know, right now they're one and four, but the only teams ahead of them are the Rush two and four and the Warriors three and three, um, you know, for that third spot in the West. So, you know, San Diego and Mammoth sitting at five and one are in a pretty good spot to, to claim those top two spots in the West. But that third one is still up for grabs. And if they can rattle off a few wins against some Western opponents, uh, I think they still have a shot to turn this season around. Um, you know, they only played five games and they had that big layover between their, the, their last two games. So that didn't help them. Um, so I think, you know, fully healthy Roughnecks team can turn it around. Um, and although I think the Riptide are playing a little bit better than them, I think the Roughnecks have maybe a better shot of turning the season around this late in the game. So those are our thoughts on this past weekend. Looking ahead to this next weekend, Adam, what's your uh, game of the week to kind of watch? Yeah, you, you know, you, you mentioned from a playoff perspective, uh, I'm really interested uh, in, in seeing this Wings versus Thunderbirds matchup right on, on Sunday. Um, you know, we, we mentioned the Wings 
they're one loss away from being at 500 and as, as competitive uh, as they've been this year. Um, that That's not what uh, I think a lot of people are expecting from that squad to be at 500 this at this point in the season. So I think a win's pretty important for them and uh, for the Thunderbirds uh, squad. Uh, are they going to show their dominance uh, against uh, a team that uh, a lot of uh, pundits and fans thought uh, was going to be closer to the top of the East? So um, uh, I'm curious to see this one on Sunday. Really looking forward to, to that matchup. Yeah, no, and I I, uh, I think that's going to be, a, you know, one that has some playoff implications down the stretch. Sure. If Williams can pull out a, a victory, shuffles the East a little bit, you know, puts them in a good position, uh, whereas the Thunderbirds, if they get that win, you know, the, they're they're looking pretty good, um, you know, going forward down the stretch. Um, I'm going another East matchup between two top teams, and that's Toronto Rock and the Bandits. Rock hosting the Bandits in this one. I really, really like this Rock team to maybe steal a win against Buffalo and hand them their first loss. Um, you know, I think Buffalo's looked great, you know, this whole season, even, you know, against the Riptide, you know, despite, you know, letting up 17 goals, they still, the offense was able to get it done, putting up 18. But um, last time these two teams played, it got chippy. It's always a tough matchup. Rock weren't fully healthy where the Bandits had a lot of their guys. So I really like this Rock team to, to give them a good game. Um, so I, that's my matchup to kind of look for this weekend. Um, that will lead me to my game picks. I'm going Roughnecks. To start, Rush, Rock, Riptide. So a lot of R's there. Four R's. <laughs> Firewolves, Seals, and Thunderbirds in my picks. Where are you going, Adam? Uh, I got to catch up to you in the standings a little. So um, first three are different. I'm going Mammoth, Warriors. I know uh, it'll be an interesting one against the Rush, uh, but I, I think they're going to bounce back and get in the win column. Going Bandits, sticking with undefeated until they're not riptide firewolves seals uh and wings because from a playoff perspective i know i'm usually a homer in that way but i i for for playoff implications i'd love to see the wings uh get the victory and uh muddle the east waters from a playoff perspective a little bit more yeah no no home field advantage for halifax playing in hamilton you know not in front of fans so um you know i think they're getting more comfortable playing not in front of fans you know they talked a little bit about that some of the players how um, you know, it's not too odd not having fans in the arena, but um, definitely kind of eliminates sometimes the home field advantage of, you know, playing in front of a, a home crowd. So, um, yeah, we, we differ a lot. This could uh, really make or break a lot of us, or maybe we'll both split the games and, uh, <laughs> and be kind of right where we're at. But those are our thoughts on this NLL weekend coming up. Um, I'm actually going on vacation next weekend, so we won't have an episode next week for you guys, unfortunately, but we will have a t- Twitter space this week and next week. So don't worry, we'll still give you guys lacrosse fix. Reminder, if you guys enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe, leave a five-star review either on Apple Podcasts or now Spotify. Really helps us move up in the rankings. Big shout out to Jeff Shatler for coming on. Um, you know, we're looking forward to seeing him in his final season. Um, but we appreciate you guys tuning into this episode and every episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. <laughs>